Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Match Ball. Hello there, welcome to the show, the Matchball 30. 30 years on, charting the journey from Leeds United's return to the top flight to lifting the championship trophy in 1992. A real-time journey that we're doing game by game with a Matchball on the 30th anniversary of each match. My name's Dan, hello, and with me is Michael Normanton. Hello. And we've got Moscow White as well, Daniel Chapman. Hello. October the 20th, today, 1990, QPR coming to town, visiting us at Ellen Road. And a game I think we're going to remember for years to come, don't you think? Well, we've just seen the the greatest footballer of his generation, haven't we? I've never seen a goal like that. Six players he beat, probably four at least, but then two that were were bearing on him, but he didn't seem to care about those. And he's American. He's not even American, though, is he? Well, he plays for America. He's a fake American. He's a South African American, which I think are the worst kind. (laughs) (laughs) Talking, of course, about Roy Vegerly, who's just scored what could well be goal of the century at Ellen Road as QPR beat Leeds United three goals to two. And one of those very strange, rare occasions at Ellen Road where we stopped being a set of bastards and we got, do you know what? I'm going to give you a round of applause for that and then call you a bastard. You didn't leave us with much choice. I mean, this goal come in a mere four years after that Maradona one, um, which which would you say was better? I think this was certainly up there. I mean, Lukic, could he maybe have done better on the final shot? I don't know. I mean, I looked um, after he'd hit it into the bottom corner, uh, Gordon Strachan, and Strachan just puts his hands on his head like, oh, you're going to do that, are you? It is ridiculous. For anyone who's, who's not seen this, um, I mean... In the future, you'll be able to watch it on YouTube. But obviously, just having come from the uh, come from the stadium, he kind of picks it up on the on the far right, I think, and then goes past Snodding. He nutmegs a sliding David Batty. Few stepovers go past McAllister. Pearson has a, a good go at trying to obliterate him just before he has the shot. Um, but then he just works it onto his right foot and and scores. So I think Fairclough is the last one to make an attempt at stopping him, but no one can. Fairclough is coming from one side at the end and then Chris White is kind of realising he'll have to do it as well. But before either of them can get there, he just shoots past England's should-be John Lukic. Yeah, I mean, the only one I can think of, Eddie Gray, will possibly dispute that this is the best goal ever scored at Elland Road. And I would probably back him because that one he scored against Burnley in 1970 when he beat six had drag backs. And there were no drag backs here. Also, he had the advantage of playing for Leeds United, so it makes it much more palatable. But there are some things that happen in a football match that just you forget about which team you support and the fact that it's an equaliser in a game that we were 2-0 up in and the fact that we've ended up fucking losing. 
and you just go, wow, he's really good at football. This goal aside, we just never dealt with Wegley all day, did we? He seemed to constantly be, he seemed to be playing not quite up front and it meant that White and Fairclough didn't quite know how to mark him. So they just seemed to leave him alone and he just ran riot. I don't know if he ran riot the way he was attempting some things like this, but he tried one about five minutes before he scored from the other wing, but he sort of tripped himself up and fell over into Gordon Strachan. And I was looking at him thinking, yeah, this is, he's all fancy. And I know QPR paid a million quid for him, but he's not that good. But I suppose something like that. Well, he's not going to do it every week, is he? Is he? I mean, <laughs> if he is going to do it every week, he'll be, he'll win the Ballon d'Or. I've, um, I've just checked his Wikipedia, which is a thing you won't have heard of yet. Um, and he doesn't win the Ballon d'Or. So yeah, I think this is a one-off. I mean, he has had a, an odd career for people who don't know about him. He was playing in the, NASL in America before it went bust and then indoor football. QPR had him on trial and said nah and then he went to Chelsea and was a bit shit and it was Luton that he made his name. And it is a, It's an interesting one because Leeds have been linked with every single striker that's going from Dean Saunders to Andy Payton to Ali McCoist to all the ones we've been talking about over the last few weeks like Alex Russo from Argentina. Our Lee Chapman costs half what Roy Wegley did and we did I mean the difference in strikers in this game they had Les Ferdinand with Wegley and we had Chapman and Pearson two I mean I like them but two bigger donkeys it's hard to imagine (laughs) in one team on Les Ferdinand I think it's probably worth mentioning that he appeared to be playing this game in his underpants as well I've never seen shorts quite so high As, as magnificent as his thighs are you can see a hell of a lot of them you can almost see his lunch can't you is that why Chris White kicked him up the arse at one point yeah, he was. Um, I'd say he was a bit fortunate to get away with that, possibly, wasn't he? It was accidental. There, there was a tackle, and he just kind of, as they were both on the ground, he just stuck his boot into his buttock. He was trying to stand up, probably. Bit of stood to cheek action. It was fine. So let's do those lineups then for Leeds. Lukic, Sterling, Snodden, Batty, Fairclough, White, Strachan. Yeah, Pearson and Chapman up front again. McAllister, Speed with Shot and Kamara, the two players who came off the bench in the final quarter of the game. For them, Stayscal, Bardsley, Sanson, Parker, McDonald, Maddox, Wilkins, Barker, Ferdinand, Wegerly, and Sinton. First objection to that QPR lineup is having a Barker and a Parker in the same team. Not sure I can abide by that, but it's probably a little bit late now. And a Bardsley, who gets confused with both the Barker and the Parker. Lots of old men as well. Sanson and uh, Wilkins are both proper old, and Mark Falco isn't a, a youngster anymore. But it was Stayscal who was trying to ramp it up in, in the, the build-up to the game. He's literally just signed for QPR in the week. Don Howe, who was once Jimmy Arnfield's assistant when he was manager at Leeds in the 70s, said he'll just throw him in. He's, he's the Czech international goalkeeper. He'll be good enough. But Stejskal came up out with, uh, all I know about Leeds is they're somewhere up north and they're the roughest, toughest team in England. He says it like it's a bad thing. Going to say that's absolutely a compliment for Legion. I said I would, I'll take that one. Um, this game, you know, Michael, put your 2020 head on just for a second. You know, you're the most pessimistic man on earth, and Le- Leeds fans as a whole are, are very damaged. And looking back on it, it's days like this that caused a whole generation of people to be absolutely terrified by what Leeds United can do because we were 2 0 up in this game, and we'll run through it in due course, but 2 0 up early doors, and yet. Even from those winning positions, like in 2020 and the years that have gone by, you never quite feel secure in the same way that 
the Derby playoff madness happened, this kind of had that slight air of madness about it. I mean, this this being when it was, I had to leave the stadium at 2-0 to go and find a William Hill to put some money on on us losing this game. I can't believe we did, still. It was it was entertaining, but we should probably have been 3-0 up at one point and then some ridiculous things happened. We were very good throughout the whole match. I think we were, you could start to see the midfield, McAllister as the new player and Speed, who, who was... Um, there was talk of him being left out of the team and struggling to adapt to the first division. Absolutely dominated most of this match. QPR, Don Howe came with a fancy sweeper system. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why we went with the two big donkeys up front because they have three defenders. One of them's Paul Parker, who is five foot nothing. And um, I don't think Danny Maddox is particularly tall. So it was up to McDonald kept um, his tactic was just to shove whichever of Chapman and, and Pearson was going for the ball in the back. But we were so much better than them. And 2-0 up showed it. It wasn't flattering to us. The problem all game was just that they kept counter-attacking and we never quite coped with Andy Sinton. He had a good couple of battles with Sterling where there was one particular one where he just bounced off him. There was a little attempt at them kind of going shoulder to shoulder and looked like he'd basically run into a wall. But he was faster than, I would say, all of our team by quite a distance. And him and Waggerly, when they counter-attacked, just constantly caused us problems. But in terms of the actual balance of the game and building anything they didn't they didn't it never felt like they had to they just occasionally kicked it away from our from their goal and then some people ran after it and they scored this was classic Leeds era terrified by players who were fast and could run at us and I remember Andy Sinton it was quite stocky wasn't he when you when you look back on this or maybe it was those shirts just how big they were and that they hung off a man but anybody who was capable of of running directly at Leeds always terrified us around this time however we got off to an absolute flyer and we were, yeah, 2-0 up inside 17 minutes. And if Wegley was to deliver the finesse on this day, the opener on 15 was, it was just pure Wilkinson, pure unfiltered Wilkinson, free kick from the left-hand side that was headed on by the big donkey. I think it was um, Pearson in this case and then just turned in by Chris White. I mean, Les Ferdinand's marking of White is is magnificent on this. He just stands completely still as White walks around the back of him and, and hooks it into the goal. I enjoyed the build-up to this as well, that um, we, we've got this free kick and Wegley kicks the ball away and he's, he's called a jippo by the crowd. And then there's the slightly awkward moment where Snodden then has to go and take the free kick and be like, oh, it, that, that, good, nice hair, Glenn. Good, good. <laughs> I mean, if you if you do bring it back into 2020 and we've got uh, what they call the uh, Bradford Chiller crew, one of them absolutely has Snodden's haircut and they're building their entire career as uh, sort of comedy rappers on the idea that they all work at a fairground. It is pure Wilco, but I think you can slightly underrate what goes into this. It is a good header from the big donkey Pearson at the edge of the box. He he directs it exactly where they must have practised for hour after hour after hour on the training ground to put it. And then Chris White, he is left absolutely on his own, pretty much on the edge of the six-yard box. It would have been very easy for him to just swing a leg and whack it over the bar or something, but he also played indoor soccer in America, probably around the time Wegley did. I wonder if they ever played against each other. I did try and find that out. I couldn't, I couldn't find any uh, any proper stats on it. They did cross over for a year, so they may well have done. They must have done. But he sees Stagegal, the Czech international goalkeeper, running out to him, and it's a nice controlled finish on the turn he doesn't just hammer it he sees that he needs to place it puts it there but yeah you're right it's just a massive free kick and a knockdown isn't it 
the commentator on this is clearly a, the the QPR man because he's a bit he's a little bit sneery about this because another one of those set piece moves. He seems to think that we're um, he's he's going with the the roughest, toughest, most long ball team going. He's he's his sort of narrative on this one, but we're a goal up. He can shut up. He kind of goes hot and cold all day when he, he's kind of trying to work out whether the um, the cop singing your shit ah every time Jan Stayskel takes a goal kick will bother him, given he doesn't understand English because he's from the Czech Republic. He says uh, at one point he says something like, um, um, "I'm sure he'll realise that it's fairly abusive, although it's all in very good heart." Two minutes after going 1-0 up then, we are 2-0 up. And if this goal had happened in 2020, we'd be applauding it from the uh, from the rooftops because Strachan catches the left-back. It's Sansom, isn't it, who gets the ball bowled out to him with the high press. Before the high press was even a thing, before it was trendy, he high presses him, nicks the ball off him, breaks down the right into acres of space. And then with the help of a little bit of a deflection, the ball gets uh, driven across into the box in what is now termed the corridor of uncertainty and gets tapped in at the far post. I think if we're going to talk about on football, it's the uh, the modernity of the th- goalkeeper throwing it out to a defender, which causes the panic here. He's like, what are you doing? Put it fucking long. That's what Lukic is doing. Try, try and hit the number nine on the head. That's all you do with the ball. But yeah, it's, um, well, it's, it's these fancy foreign ways, isn't it? These, these foreign keepers. Can't trust him. Where's he from as well? Communist, isn't he? Czechoslovakian. Bloody, you can't trust these lot. The other thing about that modern bit of play, the the pressing of Strachan on Sansom, is it is 33-year-old Gordon Strachan pressing 34-year-old Kenny Sansom. It is two dinosaurs absolutely going at each other down there. And Chapman, he had a, a point to prove in this match because we we played Leicester um, in the previous match, the, the League Cup second leg. And it was nil-nil when he got subbed off and he was jeered off and not happy. But he arrives um, at the back post it is a tap-in, but it's one of those tap-ins where he's come zooming in to finish it when nobody else has seen the chance and everybody's asleep. I would call it a crash-in rather than a tap-in. It, come, it comes racing into the back post and crashes it into the net. 2 nil up. We're absolutely flying. What could possibly go wrong from here? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But almost like you knew the answer to that previous question, we know that things do go wrong because we've already told you it was 3-2. And it started to unravel within 12 minutes of us going 2-0 up and a bit of a snarl up on the edge of our box. Chris White already scored at the other end with a, a nice turn on the volley. But here he's, uh, he's getting his feet all tangled up and falls over and they pull one back to make it 2-1 on 29 minutes. White's having a bit of a bad day defensively in this game. I'm never convinced by him at any point. As much as he's he does look dangerous at the other end, in, in this one he's just... <laughs> He seems to be, him and Fairclough seems to be dragged out of position an awful lot. And on this one, he he sort of comes out to meet Ferdinand, doesn't he? And ends up on his ass, and then kicking Ferdinand up the ass. Uh, but then they pick up the ball and lay it back to Wilkins. And who's, Wilkins is about on the penalty spot. And it is a very good finish, in fairness. There's not, there's not an awful lot we could do about that. But it's the whole goal just feels very untidy. How did you feel about what the, uh, the cop was singing to Ray Wilkins, Michael? What's it like to have no hair? Yes. <laughs> it's it's fine <laughs> and also uh, you bald bastard any any thoughts <laughs> well in fairness this, you still get that now you still get people it seems to be aimed at referees now because Premier League footballers all have hair transplants so going bald isn't as popular as it used to be but um, yeah when occasionally you, I stand next to uh, someone who is also bald and we just look at each other and go oh dear oh dear it's happening again I did enjoy the first one, because you're never sure where that chant was going, that you could hear it developing. What's it like to, what's it like to, what's this going to be? What's it like to have no hair? And it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Just the bit of um, play around that is when um, the commentator was just said, to me, the skills of Ray Wilkins still as sharp as ever. And then he just puts a free kick straight out for a goal kick. It's like, oh, well. It's just by my neck in a little bit here. But yeah, the cop, uh, the cop get on his back. He's quite good in this as Wilkins. For, for someone who doesn't run an awful lot, he, he's a lot of, quite a lot of their good stuff does hinge on him. Just going back to his hair for a second, which I know you'll want to spend a lot of time on, uh, Michael. He's only 34 at this point, is Ray Wilkins. But he's got that, like, you know, if, if you start losing your hair now, you do what you do, which is to take it all off. And it looks absolutely fine. But what Wilkins has done here is... Thank 30- you. <laughs> You're welcome. And what Wilkins has done here as a 34-year-old, though, is to leave the back and sides as it is slightly longer in the way that, you know, like, was it um, Attilo Lombardo when he played for Crystal Palace? You don't see many of those anymore, like footballers who are bald on top but have kept hair around the back and sides. And I think that ages them by a good 10 years. Because like I say, he's only, only 34 in this game is, um, is Ray Wilkins, but he could easily pass for 44 or 54. Yeah, he's got the Steve McLaren hair island going on, hasn't he? Which is it's never good. McAllister went for that in his later years as well. And his younger years. I think he's got it now. <laughs> he's still got an almost covered top, hasn't he, at this point? It's tough. 
McAllister ends up uh, going off in the second half of this. It's because um, he scored for, he scored his first goal for Scotland in midweek, and they drove him back straight after the match. Arrived back in Leeds at three in the morning, and I'm wondering if that maybe contributed to uh, some of the sleepiness that, that sets in. Although we did dominate midfield after half time, I'm just trying to avoid talking about Wegley's goal again. I'm pissed off with it now. Well, two 0 being a dangerous scoreline and all that, they did get that next goal which has swung the game back in their favour and half an hour in, it's two goals to one. We've mentioned Wegley's goal just before half-time, which made it 2-2 and was greeted with applause at Ellen Road. The other side of the break, though, you think, well, the game's got away from us. But actually, it didn't. We still had chances in this one. We could have been out of sight even after the break. I mean, we nearly take the lead again after um, after his Wegley's goal. Don't we? Even in the first half, there's, a, there's another chance for us and... We kind of glossed over the fact that Speed has quite a good chance at 2-0 where the, uh, I think he gets played in It's by Sterling. I think he's sort of on the left edge of the six-yard box and he, that could have been 3-0. So it just feels like there was there were missed chances even in the first half in this one. But having got to having pulled it back to 2 all, well, my pessimism obviously kicked in. But we were a lot better than them for most of the second half. And we got a penalty five minutes in, which with Gordon Strachan taking them, you would think was um, a goal and Chapman is brought down by um, Maddox. It's a it's a good move in the the build-up from what I remember. It's a speed cross, if I'm remembering right. Chapman's brought down by Maddox and Chapman gets up as if he has scored. It's a big celebration as if he's just done something great. And you could do that when, you know, if you're going to give the ball to Gordon Strachan and let him put it in. But not only is um, Jan Stajko a check, but he's also a cheat. What does he do? He's off his line about 10 minutes before Gordon Strachan takes this. And then Strachan, I think, trying to avoid the fact that he's got a six foot five international goalkeeper tearing towards him with a 20-minute head start, tries to chip it over him and hits the bar. And it should have been retaken. Johnny Foreigner, eh? Not playing by our rules. <laughs> Get back behind the iron curtain. That's what I say. It's probably actually a, an absolutely classic Don Howe instruction. If this one's out, it's quite annoying throughout this as well as hearing the... Uh, the QPR fans in their corner on the low field going, Donny Owls, Barmy Army, Donny Owls, Barmy Army. You'll have to translate that. I don't understand. Sorry, I'm from, I'm from the north. Anyway, we had a pen and then we had a goal disallowed as well, which is more cheating from their goalkeeper. Dropped um, a speed cross. This is the one that was the good move. I'm getting them uh, confused. It was speed and batty building up really well. And then um, stage goal just drops the ball. Chapman's behind him and he puts it in the empty net and the... Uh, even the QPR commentator on this, it's a little bit like the, the days of I follow um, when we've got the, the Rangers commentary from Shepherd's Bush. Even he says it's a hobby horse that goalkeepers are getting too much protection. Should have been a goal. We should, so it should have been 4-2 by now, not counting the ones we've missed. So I've got it 6-2 leads. I think it is fair enough this. It's not, um, I know sometimes you look back on even some of the tackles in this game, there's a few two-footers which in which aren't even giving us free kicks that in these days you sort of think, bloody hell, that's a borderline red card these days. But I, even by modern standards, I think he's lucky to get away with this because he, he, he certainly doesn't clatter him, does he? I think he just, as he, as he sort of lands with it, he just drops it as far as I can tell. He's nowhere near it. And there's another one. I can't remember if it's before or after they've taken the lead. No, it's after we had a chance to equalise where Stagecoe goes for a, a cross. And again, he hits his own defender and he just drops it and Lee Chapman has a a shot at goal, but it hits the head of one of their defenders and goes wide. So it was all state scale. It was nothing to do with 
chappy should have been a goal and we would have been um outside if we'd added you know one or two of those with the the domination that we had after half time our midfield was purring for most of the second half unfortunately it just took one switch off and it was one of those games that was held in the balance and unfortunately cuz Wegley scored quite late on 80 minutes there's still time to recover at 80 minutes but i think given the way that this game had swung back and forth and that general Ellen Road madness in the air, you kind of knew at this point that we were probably done for. It's annoying. The, the third is a bit like the first goal as well in that it just feels so preventable as well. It's, it's sintered on the left and then he crosses it and Fairclough kind of half clears it, but then because he's moved in out of position to clear it, it just goes straight to Wilkins who then has to just pass it to Wegley who's completely unmarked because Fairclough's gone a little bit off. Out of, his, uh, out of his patch to clear it in the first place and it's just a nice simple finish for him but it just feels like they've not had to do anything to score this goal Yeah, it's the offside trap didn't work Chris White needed to follow Fairclough out once um, once he'd made that clearance but he just it's like he switched off just stayed standing deep I don't know if he was um, watching I think they brought Mark Falco on by this point so it wasn't Ferdinand anymore and yeah Wegley just had loads of space and I mean if he can beat six players to score a goal he can certainly just shoot past John Lukic which he did do you think Chapman should have done better on that chance that fell to him at 3-2 to equalise yeah the one on the edge of the, and he's just he feels like he's only ever going to score if he's within sort of 10 yards of the goal as Chapman I just never felt he had any chance of scoring that somehow even though it was quite a good opportunity it was hard to tell I'd love to see an angle from behind the goal to see whether it was on target if it was on target then you sort of say fair enough for the fact that it's battered off somebody defender's head it's kind of one of those things, but it does show up. I mean, we mentioned what had happened in, in midweek. Well, actually, it was quite a long time before because it was the international break. But we did beat Leicester 3-0, but it was after both Chapman and Pearson had been sub- subbed off. And Wilco was kind of defending them, saying, well, they're the players who, because Leicester were defending so stoutly, they'd had to work hardest, so they were knackered. And Chapman was kind of saying he expected better and being cheered off. But I mean, they've got to, they have got to start putting these away because we are being linked still with every striker going. We've only won one at home. I think it's one win, two draws, two defeats now. And, you know, we signed Chapman in January. It's now October. And yes, he scored the goals that got us promoted, but you're looking at him and thinking, is this player going to score loads of goals in the, in the first division? And then as for John Pearson, I mean, if John Pearson was good enough to play in the first division, we would never have signed Lee Chapman because Lee Chapman is kind of John Pearson, but better. So what's the point of a partnership with Lee Chapman and John Pearson, neither of whom were convinced the right players for the first division, if they're basically exactly the same player? There were times in this match as well where they were both going for the same high balls, the same crosses and kind of getting in each other's way a bit and were playing all this kind of really good stuff in midfield and then McAllister's trying to stick a little through ball into the penalty area and John Pearson's just standing offside and it's uh, yeah there was a big chance in the Leicester game that Chapman said was the probably the reason he got booed but he he said that um, it wasn't even I don't rate that as a miss the ball came over very fast skidded and flew up and I couldn't get near it let's stick it in the net big idiot there's that miss against Scum as well that was still fresh in the memory. So I think we need another big striker. That's all that'll fix this. More big men. You're absolutely right though, Moscow, in that we've got to a point now where you know the amount of evidence available, the amount of data that we can consume 
about our return to the top flight. It's growing in number and the home record is not brilliant. So there is that little bit of pressure just growing around Ellen Road to maybe bed in a little better and turn this thing around. And you forget that Wilkinson's only just been here for two years as well. Yeah, although Leslie Silver is talking about another 18. <laughs> Said he can have another 18 years and then we'll give him a gold watch. I mean, we have come a, a long way. Wilkinson's done exactly what we brought him here to do, get us out of the, the second division. And it is nice to see that there's more happening in midfield, like McAllister is bringing some a different style of play to the team. But um, if you think uh, QPR spent a million on Roy Wegley, we spent 450000 on Lee Chapman. And you're kind of, if you're talking a player being twice the player in terms of transfer value in 2020, you can put that in terms of it's a difference between spending 20 million and 40 million. And you do wish we'd get the checkbook out again instead of just talking about it. Sign John Aldridge or sign Ali McCoyst or sign Dean Saunders or sign one of these strikers because another 18 years of of watching good build-up play and then John Pearson, I'm not sure there's a gold watch for anybody at the end of that. But we don't need to despair too much because we are still mid-table and despite this defeat, QPR have just nudged in front of us with that. We are 11th, so about bang average, which I guess you would have taken as a return to the top flight if asked at the start of the season. But obviously having had a good game against Man United or whatever else, the uh, the levels of expectation start to rise. But we'll see how this one unfolds. And despite Wegley scoring what is probably goal of the season, he wasn't the one who stole the headlines on this day because there was something that went off big time just across the hills in Lancashire. You mentioned us having a good resort against Scum. And I preferred the part of the season when we were above them in the table. But yeah, a 21-player brawl at Old Trafford when their Arsenal were winning this game, sparked by old Leeds player turned to the dark side, Dennis Irwin, sneakily kicking Anders Limpar up the arse and getting away with it. And then two minutes later, there's a Limpar um, goes flying in for a tackle and all hell breaks loose and Nigel Winterburn lies on the floor crying, as he always seemed to do, the big coward. It's funny because when you watch the footage of this, which is widely available on that Future Invention YouTube, you can see it at first glance through 2020 eyes and think, ah, there's not much in that. And then actually when it does the close-up replays and you see all those horrible little niggles and kicks on the floor and snidey little uh, studs-up scrapes as people go past each other and you realise why this one went off. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminds me of when you're having a simmering bit of tension with your wife and you're bickering over little things and you know at some point it's going to blow up into a full-blown argument and that's what this one feels like when you watch it back. There's just that undercurrent there that you know is going to explode into life at any moment. Do you often kick her up the arse when you've had an argument? I mean, I don't want to comment by your domestic standards, Michael, of course not. With Dennis Irwin's domestic standards. I think what really stands out to me on the this footage is when the camera pans across and Les Seeley, Scum's goalkeeper, who we talked about when we played them, who is possibly the angriest person who has ever played football, is restraining David Rollcastle, who is possibly one of the nicest people to have ever played football. And Rollcastle is absolutely raging. If um, if Seeley hasn't got him, he's sort of got him from behind. He's put, he's hooked kind his uh, hugging him, hasn't he? Yeah, and he's hooked his eyes, his hands under his shoulders to hold him back. Rollcastle is. Arms flying, ready to go and chin Alex Ferguson, I think. Shame he didn't. And the thing about this is, there is going to be an FA investigation into what's gone off and the, the league are 
talked about disrepute charges, but it's not two months ago that the the Football League were talking about throwing Leeds United out of the first division and closing us down altogether if we don't behave this season. So can we have the same apply to Scum and Arsenal, please? Games behind closed doors was the threat and then closed down altogether. And I know that was about fan behaviour, but the players have a responsibility to set a better example to the fans. And if they're not doing it, just shut the clubs down. Simple. Throw Dennis Irwin out of the league. Not just Dennis Irwin. The clubs, Man United, Arsenal, close them down. If they can do it to Leeds United, as they're threatening to, do it to them. Well, the evidence suggests that Arsenal and Manchester United are the horrible, rough, tough boys from Manchester and London. They held us in in a similar opinion, and they shouldn't have done, because Howard Wilkinson said in the wake of this, the truth is that sometimes we're a soft touch. So I don't know what the FA are talking about. We'll see how that one pans out then as we go to Villa Park in a week's time to face Aston Villa on the 27th. The Match Ball. 